Good, there were three people that are good, everybody else kind of mumbled, so I guess that's okay. Uh, I didn't get the memo that it's ugly sweater day, so I just wore my Sunday best. I don't know why you're laughing at that. Uh, I don't know if you saw the Colts game yesterday, speaking of funny. Um, this, <laughs> but uh, after the game, Verizon actually like scampered to get to Matt Ryan so that he could start doing commercials for them because the whole tagline, the whole ad is going to be, with Verizon, even Matt Ryan can find receivers. Okay, thanks. I didn't have any better ones. Uh, so we are, we are continuing the, I guess we're kind of wrapping up, the, the Advent series, which is called The Wonder of Christmas, and we're talking about the wonder of Christmas. We're talking about Advent. We're talking about the coming of Jesus, about the Christmas story. All of these things that we talk about every year. But the reason we talk about them every year is because they impact our lives still today and beyond in such a great way. But because we talk about them every year, sometimes they can kind of turn into just a story that we tell. Just like if you're reading a book or something, and we start to look at the characters as characters. But it's important to remember, and as I read this story, uh, it's important to remember that these are actual people, actual people going through this. And so they faced things like we face, and they had to go through a life that was difficult and in some ways near impossible. But they had God. And so I want to go to uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. So each of the Gospels has a, a when they were written, they had a different focus, a different group that they were kind of written to. And so for Matthew, and if you read through Matthew, you'll see a lot of Old Testament scriptures. And that's because Matthew was written to the Jews to show that Jesus was the Messiah. And so there's a lot of the prophecies and everything. And so he's telling this through Joseph's eyes, where maybe we're more used to through Mary's eyes. And I'll talk about that a little bit in the 9 and 11 services on Christmas Eve. That's called a teaser. But, it's fine. Uh, but so he wrote this through Joseph's eyes, because that's somebody they'd understand, because he was a young Jewish man. And so he's dealing with all of this. And so he's writing it so that they will understand, so that we will understand what is happening. And so it's relatable. And so a Jewish wedding uh, had three parts. And so the first is the engagement, and that's often um, where the parents kind of work things out, and, and they say this is what's going to happen. Arranged is the word that I was seeking. Uh, and then from there, there's a year-long betrothal, betrothal, however you say it. And so that takes a whole year, and then that leads up to the marriage, the actual marriage, where they're married is how marriage works. And so... It's a long process. And right at the beginning of this process, Joseph finds out that, that his betrothed, that the person he's engaged to, is pregnant. Now, through the telling of this story, we have no idea if Mary has talked to him yet or if they're allowed to see each other or all of those things. But we see how he deals with that. Now, as I said at the beginning, we often forget that Mary and Joseph are people. They're, they're young people. They're dealing with this for the first time. They had so many plans. And they had so many desires, and they had so many expectations about what life would be. And then all of a sudden, everything changes. Everything is different. Everything is crazy. Now, the focus all of the time, but especially this time, uh, is and should be Jesus. 
But it's also important to remember that we can learn so much from the humans that he called to be a part of his plan, from the humans that he blessed with this amazing responsibility, with this amazing just, just chance to be remembered, to do something, to, to have a part of helping people. And so each of, of Joseph and Mary are, are just people who are dealing with all of these things. And Joseph, as a human, had a lot of options open to him. And so he could have protected himself immediately because there were people talking already, I'm sure. I hope that's not a surprise. Sometimes people talk. But he could have immediately protected himself by just cutting it off immediately and doing it very publicly and shaming her. And saying, listen, I had nothing to do with this. I'm going to go on over here. And just covering himself and covering his name. And I think that in the world today, a lot of people would do that. But he doesn't. He also could have gone the other way and forced her family to give him more stuff. Either way, to stay or to go and be like, hey, you know what? I'll hang around, but I need three more cows and two goats. I think that's the going, right? <laughs> but what he does, even by saying, you know, I'm going to break this off, but I'm going to do it quietly, that shows who he is. That shows that he's just. It shows that he, he has love. It shows that he has faith. It shows that he is a, a good person. It shows why he's chosen. And it shows, as I said, his great love already. And so I have a quote from Mr. Rogers, of course. Love isn't a state of perfect caring. It is an active noun like struggle. To love someone is to, to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is right here and now. And so Joseph is showing us what actual love is, not storybook love, not fairy tale love, not movie love, not fake love, but real love. And love, then and now, is not always easy. There are bumps along the way, there are problems. It, it takes work, it takes time, it takes effort. And Joseph is showing that, that even when things might not be great, he still loves her. Now, obviously, we know that it goes differently than him letting go of the engagement, but, but just showing that he was never going to shame her, that he was never going to hate her, that he was never going to blame her, shows that love, shows that amazing love. So often, we hear, love everybody. I know you hear it every time I talk. We hear, love everyone, and we really want to. We do. We really want to until they start talking or until they start posting, or until they do something, or until they say something, until it gets hard. And sometimes it's because of them. Often I'd say it's because of them. But a lot of times it's because of us, because of our own lives, because we wake up on the wrong side of bed, because whatever reason we have that we understand, it affects our love, and it affects all of that. And even though we want to, it gets really hard. Now, in a story, in an actual story that you write, a fictional story, Joseph would have immediately, without explanation, just loved her and been like, oh, Mary, it doesn't matter what happened. It doesn't matter. Uh, all I see is you. Everything is you. Like, a romantic, like the notebook, which is awful, guys. Sorry. Sorry, the main guy, like, breaks up a marriage. Come on. And let me tell you this. I've got two things to say. Uh, number one, if you replace Ryan Gosling in the notebook with, like, 
me. That story becomes very different. And it's like he writes this letter to a married woman, and it's really creepy. But hurts a little bit you laughed at that. That's fine. Uh, but Joseph would have loved her blindly. Blindly. Uh, kind of like Cinderella. And here's where I'm going to ruin another story. Sorry, Jaina. Because in Cinderella, we read this, and they fall in love just by seeing each other and dancing. Although, if he truly loved her, why did he have to go to everybody's house to try on shoes? He didn't remember what she looked like. <laughs> Sorry, hope there are no kids here. And that's what we see as love. We have countless movies and stories, and they're awesome stories. They're wonderful. But we see this, this imaginary love where nothing bad happens, and everything is immediate, like, oh, I love you so much. Now, we do love people so much. But in real life, there are struggles. And in real life, there are bumps. And in real life, there are disagreements. In real life, there are arguments. In real life, there, there's strife. In real life, love can be hard. Because that is life. And yet Joseph here, and Mary later, shows true love. Shows kindness. Shows, again, the reason they were chosen to be a part of this story. The reason that God saw them. Because it wasn't just an accident. God wasn't like, you know what, Joseph, Mary, I just drew lots or threw dice or whatever, and here you go, you guys can do this. He saw them. And they had faith in him. They had love for him even before this. And so I want to go to the next verse. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So right away the angel, and it's probably Gabriel, but it doesn't say, uh, right away the angel says, Joseph, son of David. Now again, since we read this all the time, I think we know what that means, but we don't really, we just kind of move past it to like, where is Jesus born? Where are the wise men? And all that stuff. But Joseph, son of David, shows that he is in the line of David, which is a messianic prophecy. Now Joseph wasn't a priest, but everyone at that time knew that part of the messianic prophecy, of the Messiah prophecy, where it would come, the baby would come, the Messiah would come from the line of David. And so Joseph knew his ancestry, he knew that, but he didn't even consider that that was a possibility. It wasn't on his mind. And that shows again how humble he is. And it shows again how he is looking first to protect Mary and then to kind of live his life and find a new way or whatever. But, but either way, he's not thinking, oh, I'm a special guy. Which again shows us why God called him and it shows who he is and it shows what, what he knows and what he is. And then the angel says, you'll name him Jesus, which means the salvation of Yahweh. How amazing. How amazing that must have been. Because we all have doubts. We do. We all have doubts at some point. And sometimes in the capital C church, we're kind of, as we grow up, taught to, to treat doubt as a dirty word. And be, never admit that we have doubts, but everyone has doubts. That in and of itself is not bad. However, when you leave them unchecked, when you don't pray about them, when you don't talk about them, when you don't try to find answers, that's where the problem lies. 
But Joseph had doubts, and to have God send a messenger right there to say, listen, not only, not only is Mary legit, not only is everything the way that I've planned it, but this is going to be the Messiah. This is going to be the salvation. This is going to be the Savior. And how amazing that must have felt. How amazing that must have been. And so the angel goes on to describe Jesus. And he talks about how he meets us in our sin. Jesus came to earth for us. He came to earth to help us have an example. To help us see that there is salvation. And such an amazing Amazing little turn of phrase. And this is where my English major part's going to come out a little bit. It says, and it's a subtle thing, it says his people. Had it said God's people, most of the time, all of the time, that refers to God's chosen people, to, to the Jewish nation. But his people is everybody. His people is everybody. And so even just this part is beyond anything that had been talked about, beyond anything that had been understood, beyond anything that had ever happened. For the angel to say, everyone is going to have a chance to see salvation because of this baby. And that's a big thing. It's a big deal. And he goes on to talk about the prophecy. And he talks about Emmanuel, which means God with us. Because he's literally with us. Literally going to walk on earth with us, among us. And it's such a powerful message. And it helps Joseph to get an idea of what's coming. In a way. It helps him see the importance. It helps him see the truth. It helps him see all of this. Now, we know from here, Joseph didn't leave. We know that Joseph uh, followed what the angel said. And he trusted God. And he trusted Mary. And, and we don't really know what happened to him beyond a lot of stuff. But we know that he stayed. He accepted God's call. He accepted his promise. And all of that is huge and important and life-saving. But it does not mean his life was easy. It does not mean Mary's life was easy. And again, this is where the whole real people thing comes into play. Because as we read through the Bible, we read the birth of Jesus, and it's awesome. And that's what we're doing today and next week. And then it kind of skips a little bit to when he's 12. And so we're like, oh man, this is awesome. Like Jesus is so amazing. Even at 12, like he shows that he's the Messiah. But see, the thing is, this was real life. So there were a lot of things that happened between that birth and 12. And Mary and Joseph faced a lot of things. Because Mary, even with Joseph is going to be talked about. She's going to be gossiped about. The subject of hot goss, so to speak. I already regret saying that. Gossiped about. They're going to be judging stares every time she goes to market. Every time she goes somewhere with Jesus, people will say, oh, well, where's his father? And things like that. Because people are mean. They were mean then, too. She's going to get left out of things. They're going to be little... uh, uh, book clubs that that they're going to send the invite. Oh, Mary, we forgot your email. And there's going to be all kinds of that that she's going to face and she's going to deal with. And Joseph, regardless of his line, regardless of the fact that he's in the line of David, he's going to be mocked too. He's going to be made fun of. He's going to be called a fool. He's going to be joked about. But more than that, his family is going to be joked about. 
And probably most of the time, it's not going to be to his face, but it's going to be just behind him where he can hear it. And they faced that. They're going to face that every day. The Christmas story is beautiful. And it's powerful, and it's true, and it's life-changing, and it's amazing. But they lived real lives after it. They faced challenges. They faced hardships. They faced hatred. They faced people who just did not like them. And even the people that maybe believed them, a lot of them were probably like, why do you choose them? I, I would have been a better Mary or Joseph than them. Come on. Like, well, why them? Why do they think they're so special? Oh, they're always talking about having God's son. What makes them special? And they faced that, and they dealt with that, and they struggled with that. Because their lives, their lives were changed from what they'd planned, whatever it was they planned. They probably had just imagined they'd get married, they'd have a normal life, you know, Joseph would be a carpenter, and, and they'd have a couple kids. They'd do, have, you know, Passover dinner and, and kind of hang out and build a family, build a life together. And all of that was changed. Now, this is something that we understand. Changes in life. And so I have another quote. Everything has changed because of what we're facing. But nothing has changed in terms of who he is in our midst. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me say that again. Everything has changed. This is what we think when something changes, when we go through tough times, when things are hard, when things don't go the way we want. Everything has changed. We've all thought that. We've all said that. We've all complained about that. But nothing has changed in terms of who he is. Everything has changed. Everything changes, but he does not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is love. He is everything. And so the life that Mary and Joseph had, had planned was changed. The problems that they would face had changed, but not the God that went along with them, that went in front of them, that helped them, that lifted them up. And despite all of those changes, their integrity didn't change. Their love didn't change. Their faith in him did not change. Sometimes in our lives, sometimes in our lives, things don't go how we expect. That's probably not a, a shock to most of us. Sometimes in our lives, things don't go the way that we expect. They don't go the way we want. They don't go the way we hope. Everything changes. We cannot imagine continuing on. We cannot imagine dealing with it. We cannot imagine what life will be like. Sometimes, sometimes we lose 7-6 on penalty kicks in double overtime of our ninth title game. That's a reference to IU soccer last week, which was devastating to me. I'm glad everybody here cares. <laughs> sometimes, here you go, sometimes we lose to Michigan and then play Georgia. Sometimes we lose the Super Bowl. How about that? We all understand that. Sometimes things do not go the way we want. They go the opposite of how we want. They hurt. But even in those times, even in those times, God does not change. God's plan does not change. God's love for us does not change. God's love through us must not change. 
Because God is with us. God understands. And that's what's so cool. That's what's so amazing. Because in any other religion, in any other mythology, the the God is just above everything. And just sitting on a mountain or or sitting up there and, and acting whatever he wants to act. Now God is still above. But he loved us so much that he came to earth to show us love and understanding. To be among us. To actually care about us. To actually go through the things that we go through. He understands because of Jesus. You see, Jesus saw his parents deal with all of that mocking. All of that anger. All of that hatred. He saw all of that. Now obviously God knew all of that happened already. But he lived through it. He walked among it. He saw it. He heard what was said. And yet, he grew in love. And he grew in stature, and he grew in wisdom, and he grew as our Savior. One more part of Scripture. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her, his son, her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. So we can learn a lot from Mary and Joseph, as I said. We can learn a lot from their lives. We can learn a lot from their choices. We can learn a lot from their faith. Because imagine this situation. Again, we read this every year. And so to us, the fact that that a virgin is giving birth to a Savior, we're raised, we just know that. We know that story as kids. And so it's not shocking. But at the time, this had never happened before. And so this was shocking, and yet both Mary and Joseph were willing to trust God immediately. Again, I'm sure they had doubts, and I know they struggled, and I know it was hard at times, but they trusted him, and they stayed, and they raised Jesus, and they did everything they could. And we can learn from that. We can learn from their lives. We can learn from the way they face troubles. We can learn from their integrity. But this is about Jesus. Today, every day, Christmas, all of this is about Jesus, about his gift, about his saving grace. He is why they did it. He is why we do it. And I have one more quote, and it wouldn't be me without C.S. Lewis. The Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. Think about that. The Son of God became a man went through all of the stuff we go through, felt all of the things we feel, so that we would have a chance to become children of God, so that we would have a chance to choose Him, so that we would have a chance to see an answer to all of our problems. He lived a tough life because He came to poor people, not rich people. He lived a tough life simply because He loves us. He lived a tough life knowing that we would. Knowing that we would face such things. Knowing that we would have tough times. Knowing that things would be hard for us. So he lived it to show us how to do it. To show us that he cared. To show us that he was there. And he and his family faced hard times. Knowing that that's something that we would all face. And he did it for us. He did it for us so often. All of us talk about getting away from the problems of life. If I only had 
this much money, or if I only had this many cars, or if I only had something else that people want, a PS5, if I only had this, then I wouldn't have any problems. But, but God went to seek our problems. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he wants to understand us. That's how much he, he wanted to set an example for us. And so we know that Jesus shows us the way to heaven. But he also shows us the way through life. That's so powerful. It's so amazing. It's so important. And he never changes. I say again, he never changes. He never leaves. He never grows weary. Life is hard. Right now, and I've said this before, we're very Christian because it's Christmas time. And so we're out there and we love everyone. We love hearing Christmas music. We, we carry a Mariah Carey CD around with us. Kids CDs are these little mini record things. And we're feeling so filled with the Spirit. But on the 26th, or on the 2nd, whenever it is that we go back to life, it's going to be hard again. It's going to be hard again. And we're going to not feel that as much, because Christmas is going to be in our rearview mirror. And we're going to be faced with struggles and troubles and decisions and hard times but God is still there. God's love is still there. That spirit we feel right now and through Sunday, that can stay. And so I have another scripture. This is Isaiah 41.10. Although it has the wrong thing up there. So do not, that's my fault. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. That is true every single day of the year. It is true every single day of our life. It is true every single moment of our life that God is in charge. That God is with us. That God loves us. That God is going along with us, going in front of us. This is our constant this is our hope. This is our life. This is what this time of year is about. It's about praising Jesus. It's about singing songs. It's about talking about Bob Ross, apparently. It's about giving gifts. It's about being present. It's about loving. It's about everything that we talk about and share. But it's also about the idea, the idea that our lives could be like that all of the time. I'm not saying you can get presents every day, although if you want to give me presents every day, I would accept that sacrifice. But I'm saying that God is always with us. God never changes. God is always with us. And the same God who called Mary and Joseph and then equipped Mary and Joseph and then went with Mary and Joseph also goes with us everywhere we go. And when it says, do not fear, he does not mean you're not going to have fear because you're people. Because we're human, we are. It means, don't let fear guide your life. Don't let fear be your star of Bethlehem. Let God, let Jesus, 
Let that love, that faith, that joy, that hope, that peace, that feeling of being complete in him guide you in the way that he wants you to go and trust him. Because no matter what we face, he will never leave us. He will never forget us. And he will never stop loving us. That's all I got.